0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Good morning, church. You know how I always start, right? The love of the Lord, yours forever. Uh. God answered our prayers already. I, we just got word that Don Bennett, who we prayed for, is coming home today. Wow. Our reading this morning comes from the Psalms. If you uh, want to turn to uh, 528 in the Pew Bibles, good way to find the Psalms is go right to the middle of your Bible and open it up, and you're going to find... All the poetic books right there, okay? You're about to hear blessings and warnings. Listen closely as I read Psalm 1 to you. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Would you pray with me? Lord, we always want to be blessed by you, Help us to firmly abide in you and in your word. The world needs you in light of its wicked ways. Deliver us from participating in any way with the wicked. As your servant, our pastor Jose, speaks, may his mind and lips be anointed by you, dear Holy Spirit. We long to hear from you today Quicken our spirits. Align us with your ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Thank you, Greg. Some of our translations of this particular psalm might have the phrase, happy. And really, happy is a byproduct of being blessed. So many of us are in pursuit of happiness. So many of us are seeking it, and, and sometimes there are certain songs that come out, and, and they stir something deep within us. In 2014, this particular song was released. So that particular song has had close to 2 billion views on YouTube, sold close to 14 million, what they call units now. And it's something that, that when you hear it, um, it just stirs something deep within us. We are a people that in our Constitution, it promises us, Happiness, right? If you were to go to chapter 2, it would say, We hold these truths to be self-evidence, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To pursue happiness... And if you was to ask and take a poll, they would say that a little bit over 70% of Americans are unhappy. And if you would ask them, well, what do you think would make you happy? Right? Some would say, well, a better job, more... Um, financial stability. Some would say a woman to be able to marry. Some would say maybe a better woman than the one we have, right? But again, it's happiness is at times fleeting, and and happiness is is really, again, a byproduct of something that's much deeper, right? Because sometimes, some of us are struggling with pain of loss, and, and we are in deep sorrow, and, but it doesn't mean that that individual is not blessed, not happy. And our hope is to be able to look at this particular psalm and glean from scripture, how can I live a better life, a life that is honoring to God? When you look at all the Psalms, right, those are the, the songs of the Israelites. That's their hymnal. And one of the things you need to remember is that each one of the songs were always in reflection to a specific season within the calendar year of the Israelites. So if you ask yourself, well, what would this particular psalm reference? And many have gone back and forth, but some commentators, a majority of them would Classify this particular psalm as a royal psalm. In other words, it is the psalm that would be sung over our future king that's being crowned. Right? And and I know for some of us we're we're hearing that going, what? Right? So so think of a king at his coordination, and all of a sudden, all of people are surrounded while he's being anointed king, and then you would say, this is the kind of leader I would want over our nation. So one can also make the connection that this is the kind of leader I want in my house. This is the kind of leader I want overseeing our family. This is the kind of leader, one who is pursuing God. One who is invested into the very good things that God has for you and for me. So as we go through these six verses... My hope and prayer is that you would leave different. Blessed is the man. That word blessed, as I said earlier, right, it's... There's two Hebrew words. One is Baruch, right, and and Baruch is the word of an individual who is sitting under God and is receiving the very blessing that God has for that individual. However, the word that is used here in the Hebrew is Ashre. And Ashrei is another individual who sees a person who's being blessed, right? And in turn, you can interpret this first line within Psalm 1 to say, the joyous life of a man, right? Because it's something that you are witnessing. It's something that I am witnessing. And this is a result of certain choices that an individual makes. And my hope and prayer that these would be choices that you would make. The psalmist has a way of saying Blessed are you, blessed is the man who chooses not to do these things. Usually, when we speak, and if we were to give instructions, we would say, Blessed are you if you do this positive thing, this positive thing, this positive thing. Right? But the psalmist says, You're blessed if you do not do these things. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. My hope is that as you hear these words, as you read them, as you know them, right? And in other words, there's always a progression for sin. You see you're you're walking. Right? You're, you're, it's, it's something that it's as you go along in life. Hey, so, so what do you think about XYZ? Right? And then as their information captures your ear, all of a sudden you stop walking. Right now you're standing and And you probably say well tell me more tell me more and then as the day and weeks go on all of a sudden you find yourself pulling up a seat and sitting down and saying tell me your entire plan right and 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 scripture just has a way of Showing us, right, of what happens if you are an individual who does not want to receive a blessing from God. If you are an individual who other people look to and say, that person does not have a joyous life. To be wicked. is to be opposite of what God would want in your life and in my life a wicked person says up is down and down is up a sinner for the most part is someone who misses the mark In other words, God has certain directives for you and for me and we just constantly miss the very mark. But here's the thing, right? The sinner is somebody that a godly person would go to for advice. And the scoffer some would say that he is like the hypocrite. He is the one who has a mask. He is the one right, who has a difficult time loving his neighbor as himself. But notice in the progression, because eventually we're going to hear right, of an illustration of a tree that's planted, and notice how the person who is led astray eventually he becomes planted in sin he's walking he's standing he sits right so when sin happens in your life and in my life it doesn't happen overnight it's gradual it's progressive So one can say, right, if you want to live a life of not receiving God's blessing, you do this. You get counsel from the wicked. You stand with the sinner. You hold company with the scoffer. And to make these choices, you really can't blame anybody other than yourself. And remember, this is who God says, as we are crowning our new king, this is the kind of individual we want leading our nation. If you personalize it, well, this is the individual we want ruling our home. One who's like, that chooses not to get counsel from the wicked. Not to stand with the sinners or to sit with scoffers. In other words, the reason why those individuals are opposite of what God would want because they choose not to invest their lives in what God calls us to invest our time in but his delight is in the law of the lord and on the law he meditates day and night some of your translations would have instruction in reference to law the torah right then he's saying this person who's blessed who chooses not to be with the wicked, the sinner, or the scoffer, he, in turn, chooses to be with God's law, his Torah, his instruction, so that his instruction is the one that's leading and guiding me. It's his instruction that is um, a lamp onto my feet. And he says to delight. To delight on the Lord... And then the psalmist would say, and on the law he meditates day and night. So we're going to look at those different parts in reference of delighting. right? And we're going to look at Scripture to help us to understand, well, what does he mean by delight? Job 23, verse 12 says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Right, So Job would treasure God's word more than food. That's his delight. Right? And, and that's in the, in the midst of pain and suffering. In Psalm 119, Throughout the entire psalm and in other places, David finds delight in the law of God. In Jeremiah 15, verse 16, your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy, a delight of my heart. Right? How many of you eat God's word? Right, as you sit and pray over them. Paul would say, for I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. Right? He would say, right, that God's law is the thing that leads Paul's inner man to delight. And here's the thing, right, that if this was to be our position, many of our issues that we have would be resolved. Whether it's attendance, whether it's our own Bible studies that we do, and in other words, that sense of inconsistency, how we behave at our work, whether we are individuals that are constantly just moving away from the thing that matters most, right? And this list is just a short list. That if you were to spend more time in God's Word, a lot of the issues and problems that you and I experience would be minimized. He then talks about meditate, and remember, to delight flows into meditate and then meditate flows back into delight. It's almost like an infinity circle. One without the other. And that word in the Hebrew, right, is haga. Right? And, and Haga, there's two pictures I have, right? It's, one is of a cow chewing cud. Right? Right? And, and he chews it, right? Because their digestive system um, cannot just digest the grasses or the hay immediately, right? Because it's, they have to chew it and then they chew it again and then they chew it again, right? But, but in the midst of chewing, right, it's, it's almost like you have that, that sound. Right? And the picture I get, right? it's almost like you having a T-bone steak, right? and, and you eat all the meat and you're in a restaurant, right? and, but all of a sudden you're still a little hungry, and you see that bone, and, and you're at a place where your fork and knife is just not going to work anymore, right, because... If you were at home, you would pick up that bone and you would just right. That's the picture that God has when He talks about meditate, right? That, that you would chew upon His word and, and that it would be satisfying, right? That nothing else would be distracting, right? Psalm 119.94 says, Oh how I love your Lord. It is my meditation all the day. Right? And in, in other words, nothing else, nothing else can creep into my thought life. Just his law. Right? Because it is the thing that's leading and guiding me. It is the very thing that as I read it and I apply it to my life, it conveys my connection to God himself, that he's very close to me. Right, so to meditate goes beyond just reading. Pondering right? It's about allowing it to become a part of who you are. And then the last one, right? To do it day and night, right? So when scripture says to do it day and night, that's also in the middle. All day, every day, I am reminded of God's Word. Nothing else creeps in, right? So when I have an issue and I need advice, the very first one who gives me advice is God. No one else, right? Ask yourself, right? When all of a sudden there's an illness in this, right? It's like we tend to do a lot of other things first. And it's only when in desperate times, it's like, oh, we got called call the pastor. <laughs> we, we, we got to call the pastor, right? That's No, we should be reaching out to the church first. As a matter of fact, you should be in your prayer closet, just, Lord, help me. Help me. Lead me, guide me. Help me not to lose sight of who you are. Don't let this thing that I am experiencing right now overwhelm me to think as if you don't love me or care for me. A blessed man exercises constant contact with God's Word day and night. It's interwoven in my family life. It's interwoven in my work life. It's how I treat the saints as well as how I treat the sinners every day of my life. It is something that is in my free time or recreation. It is something that is a part of me. So that when people see you, what they say is, what is so different about this individual? Because he is not like anyone else. Are they saying that about you? Is the world out there saying that about you? Because I hope... That that's what they say about me. And here's the thing, right? I fail every day also. But just because I fail doesn't mean that I stop pursuing. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its seasons. And its leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Right? So one can take that first line, blessed is the man. Because as he delights in God's law and as he meditates on God's instruction, he is like a tree. Right, and, and the picture that the psalmist wants for you to have is a tree where its roots are deep. And that as the winds come, as the storms come, nothing is going to uproot this tree. But here's the other picture the psalmist wants you to have, right? He wants you to have that picture of the garden right he wants you to have the picture of the tree of life right that as we eat upon God's Word we are like a tree of life to the world around us a few years ago I had a friend who in his neighborhood he planted a tree and he had this beautiful pond 10 feet away from his tree and, and little by little the tree started to grow right and and all the neighbors were wondering what are you doing because we have the same tree and our tree is not growing the way your particular tree is growing and then he found out that every other week he had to fill his pond right because his pond water level was Going down, and after a period of time, somebody just said, "You must have a rip liner." So one spring, before he opened it up, he drained it all out, and he looked at the liner, and he says, "The liner is perfect." Right, but as he started to investigate, right, he found right that one of the roots of the tree went over the pond and into the center of it. And as he filled it, it kept on drinking. And as it kept on drinking, the tree kept on growing, right? And that's the picture that God would want, right? That as you allow God's Word to feed you, you will become stronger, stable. The things of this world won't rock your boat's and all of a sudden, at a specific time when you need to, fruit will be produced. And that fruit is a fruit that everybody else will be able to enjoy. And it's a picture that no matter what happens, right, its leaves stay green. Right? And everything he does, he prospers, Right, and in other words, your expectation of what the harvest would have been is tenfold more. That the again when people look upon you, they go, What's so different about that person? He's making some life choices and decisions, and you know what? It's it's I just need to know what he is connected to, right? And, and you find, right, that when people do that, here's what happens. They will start to walk with you. They will start to stand with you. As a matter of fact, eventually they will sit with you because they would want to know who are you connected to. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. It's a total opposite. The chaff is the very thing that's left after the wheat is harvested. It is when they bring the harvest to the threshing floor. Usually it's on a mound and it's pretty windy. And as they throw it up in the air, the wind just drives the chaff, the husk, away. In other words, there is no value in the husk. All right. Those are the two options that you and I have. Those are the two options that we have as leaders in our home. Either I can be one who's plugged into God, and everybody around me is receiving that blessing. Or I'm going to be one who's not blessed. Who's not connected to God. And seeking my own destructive ways. So as we look at these two, right, we see one that's stable. One that has fruit. One that's prosperous, and then on the opposite, right, it's it's one who doesn't have any fruit, one who will perish, right? And the question that the psalmist is asking, which is asking every time we read this, which side are you on? And, And if you're unsure, ask the people who are close to you, how do people see you, right? And if they're honest, they'll tell you. And then it ends this way, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinner in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It's amazing that the psalmist starts off, Blessed is the man who does not. Right? And then he would end the psalm with the result of the one who doesn't stay connected to God. In other words, you will perish. Right? Now here's my interpretation. I'm not saying that this is anybody else's. Right, But this is how I, I read this psalm. Right? In other words, if you are a wicked sinner who scoffs at God you will not even be given the option to stand in a holy, righteous court to get judged. In other words, if you didn't believe in God when you lived your life, you're not even going to stand before a holy court. Now, again, that's my interpretation Right? Because we know that in the end, we're all judged. But when I read it and it says, therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment. It's like, you don't even get the option to walk through the door and plead your case. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. In other words, the Lord knows your heart. He knows. He knows if you have spent time with him. He knows whether you delight in his word. He knows whether you meditate upon his word. He knows. And here's the other thing, right? The people in your life know. The people in your life know whether you do or whether you don't. Right, so as our time comes to a close, I'll end with this one story, and it's really just a general story. I know somebody that when I look upon them, right, it's, I see them where they had a family, Right, and, and like most families, things happen, right? and, and maybe their loved one passed away, but, but then right, every time I'm able to get together with them, what I see is all of the children right, that these two couple had, right? and then I see right, all of the grandchildren. right. And somewhere along the line, right, as I'm talking with them, right, they, they always talk about what God is doing in someone's life, right? And even though this person at times might be upset and sad because they have lost a loved one, right, I sit ashrayi the joy of what you have I would like to have. Because I see the investment that they have put into seeking and pursuing God. Scripture says that the success of an individual is counted not by this generation, not by the next, but by three generations. Right? And I look at this person and I go, you're almost there. Right? You're almost there. One more generation. Right? And, and, and that just brings so much joy to my heart. Right? Even though I know there's also pain in their heart and hurt. Right? And, and again, happiness is not something that you and I can pursue. But my hope is that you And I would pursue God. And as we pursue God, those that are around us would see a shre, a relationship with a holy God. Would you pray with me? Lord, I do thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our midst. Lord, I pray for each and every one of my brothers and sisters, Lord, that They would commit today to reading your word, to delighting in your word, to meditating on your word. Lord, help them not to measure themselves in reference to what they did yesterday, but help them to see what you are doing in their life today. Because this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Lord, that we can rejoice in you, our God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, would you rise as we worship our God?
0: Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.